This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl. My guest this week is Brittany Hodak. Brittany is an international keynote speaker and award-winning business leader. Entrepreneur calls her an expert at creating loyal fans for your brand. And you will see why here in a little bit. She is widely regarded as the go-to source on creating and retaining super fans. And there's an acronym for that. She's an accomplished speaker. She's been invited to speak to audience and organizations across the world, including this Press One for Nick podcast, which is probably her, her by far favorite today. And uh, including American Express, WeWork, Compassion International, Sony Music, United Nations, just to name a few. She's also Guinness Book World Record holder for something I got to figure out. And she's been <laughs> named advertising age 40 under 40 list, 30 under 30, and Billboard's 30 under 30 list. She was awarded this distinction and most disruptive marketing entrepreneur at the Impact Awards at the United Nations. Uh, and that's just the start. So we have plenty more to talk say- about. I'm sorry, Nick. I gave you, I think that I sent you the wrong bio. That is way, way, way too much. So yeah. And now, ladies apologies. and gentlemen, Brittany Oda. <laughs> welcome, welcome, hey. welcome. So um, I good. I, I did my, you didn't even give it to me. I'm just I did my own creeping. creeping. We're good. Good. <laughs> um, my favorite thing so far has been how we were chatting before. And then as soon as you press record this amazing radio voice came out. Like, I love it. You went from Nick to like, Nick. Yeah. Hello. This is, good. This is good stuff. Hello. My name is Nick. Welcome. Such a uh, transformation. Yeah. And you have, you have this radio experience. So one thing I ask every single person at the very beginning is what's one thing people might not know about you? Do you want me to talk about my radio experience? No, it is doesn't have to, but I'm going to tell you <laughs> one of the reasons why I'm going to bring up the radio. Um, yeah, well, let's, let's just, let's just dive into that. One thing people may not know is that my first job was as a radio station mascot. I got to be sting the bee for B98 in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And I thought it was the absolute coolest job in the world because I got to go to every like car dealership sale and furniture store opening and state fair. It was the best in a bee. Costume. I just want to, <laughs> so that is the best, uh, what the cool kids would say. That's the bee's knees. Uh, but you know what, that, what I also did, I had the opportunity to be a semi-pro basketball and indoor football mascot. And that was amazing, but it is so hot. So I can't imagine going to a dealership, hanging out, talking to, or waving to people and be sweating in that thing. Uh, one of them had a fan and one of them did not. And that was bad news. So I don't know what your experience was outside of being this high school kid with this uh, bee mascot, but uh, it was beyond hot on my side. Did you have an ice vest in your costume? No. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's like the only way I could do it. Cause sometimes it was like a hundred degrees outside, just like yeah. outside. So in the suit, it was probably like 120 or something. Um, but no, I had this really cool vest and there were, I don't know if it was like 12 or 16, but there were all these ice packs in them, like the same you would get if you were injured or something. Um, they were a few inches wide and like 18 inches tall. So my whole torso was just encased in ice, which honestly sometimes made it worse because then it was like a weird, like I was freezing in my midsection and then like sweating everywhere else. Um, but it kept me from like fainting. So I am actually so mad right now that I had no idea that there was an ice vest and I was losing pounds after pounds of sweat uh, in those mascot uniforms, but that, Hey, that's not what we're here for. Let's well, I know it's not what we're book. here for, but before we move on, I do need to know what, what were you like? What were your costumes? <sighs> you were going to ask me and I have to go back to you because for, I was thinking, man, she was the bee. She's going to ask me what it was. I shouldn't bring it up. This is going to get awkward, <laughs> but I will promise you, I will find out what I was. I think there was a shark on one of them and a bear on the other, I believe, but I will verify that with you. Okay. Shark and bear. That's, that'll be pretty epic if that turns out to be the truth. I can can tell it was not as much of like an imprinting moment for you in your life as being the bee was for me. It was like a real transitional (laughs) career and life experience. And you're like, yeah, I think it was something that lived in the water. Yeah. I'm going to have to step my game up and work (laughs) on that storytelling, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, so we got this book creating super fans, how to turn your customers into lifelong advocates to all my listeners hit pause real quick, go to Amazon, wherever books are sold, find this awesome book. Not only is it really cool on the cover, it's got some shiny uh, bookends here, but uh, it's a really good book. So go buy it and then hit pause, hit play, and then talk and listen to what this lady has to say. So tell me about this book. Why, how long did it take you to make? And why did you create the Superfans book? Well, thank you for all the kind words. First of all, <laughs> I worked on this book for a while. It's um, it's funny. I grew up in the entertainment industry, so I always heard artists when they would be interviewed about their first album say like, oh, I've been writing this album my whole life. And I would sort of like roll my eyes because I always thought that was a weird answer, but I totally get it now because I feel like I've been working on this book forever because there are stories from my whole life. There are chapters in here that are things that I started thinking about when I was in college that I had just never fully articulated, but that I had been researching or that had, you know, part of the reason why I went back to, to grad school and got a master's degree in marketing and consumer behavior because I was so interested in sort of the psychology behind people, um, why people love what they love. So um, <laughs> I I had this grand plan that I was going to write the book in the first part of 2020 because I was pregnant with my second child and I knew I, so I'm a keynote speaker. So I travel all around and go to conferences and events. And I knew I was going to be too pregnant to travel. I was like, I don't want to travel past like 35 weeks. So my plan was that I was going to take like March, April, and May of 2020 to totally write my book. Um, which of course did not happen (laughs) because of COVID. And I think the only thing people were doing for, for a good part of uh, that time was like hitting refresh on their their, you know, news browsers to see uh, what was going on. But also my two and a half year old at the time who um, 
was supposed to be in daycare was now all of a sudden like home with me and my husband. So did not get to write the book before the baby was born and had to kind of like press pause when, when my second kiddo Jones was born in May of 2020. Um, so I kind of worked on it like a little bit here and there, but I didn't, I didn't get back to fully writing this book until like the third quarter of 2021. And by then, a lot of the things that I had written, I felt like needed to be either completely rewritten or at least revisited in response to how different the world is now than it was even, you know, two or three years ago. So I think I ended up writing somewhere around 120,000 words total for this book that ended up being less than 60,000 words. And Uh, To answer your question about why I wanted to write the book, I like I'm a nerd. I I totally own it. Like I am obsessed with customer experience. I know a lot of other people aren't. Nick, I know you you are. A lot of people who listen to this show, I hope are. Um, But a lot of people don't find that like sexy or fun or exciting. So I wanted to write a business book that didn't feel like a business book that would be fun to read, that would be engaging, that people would enjoy and almost like get tricked into learning how to be more customer centric and how to apply some of the principles that I teach in a way that's going to help them be a better representative for whatever brand it is that they're working for. It's amazing. So I have a book title and it's going to sell millions. It's called How to Bring CXE Back. It's going to be, <laughs> gonna be amazing. I love it. <laughs> Bringing CXE back. Yes. Sexy. Exactly. I'm done. So, I love it. So what, what is a super fan for people who haven't uh, pressed pause and went to Wikipedia and typed in super fan? So I define a super fan as a customer who comes back and tells their friend. They're those enthusiastic advocates who will choose your brand at the exclusion of all others. And there's a longer definition in the book. There's a four-part definition where I kind of like break down all of the important parts, but, but that's really the idea. It's the customers who are out there creating more customers on your behalf. So that's what everybody wants is how do I get the customer in the first place? And then how do I get them to tell others and say how awesome we are and why you should do business with fill in the blank, right? And uh, so there's this acronym uh, that has to do with super. Uh, what's what's the acronym for the for the listeners? So I wanted to create a framework that would be really simple to remember. And when I thought about all of my work over the past, you know, 20 years with huge entertainers, huge brands, but also startups, one of the things that I noticed again and again and again was the more simple something is, the more likely it is to be implemented, the more likely it is to become a shared language or system for your team. So I wanted to distill all of the important things about customer experience into a framework that people would remember and be able to talk about. So um, I used the acronym SUPER as that vehicle because it makes sense, right? If you want to create super fans, you've got to be super. And SUPER is the framework that I use throughout the book to talk about all of the things that you've got to do to win in an experience economy. Okay. And so what is the, what's the acronym? Break it down for me. All right. So S is start with your story. And when I say start with your story, I don't mean lead with your story. What I mean is that you've really got to understand why you're the best in the world. Why are you the best choice for your customers? Because if you don't understand why you're the best, how in the world are they ever going to figure it out? 
And if your employees don't understand what it is that they're trying to do, what, what it is that they're in service of, like your customers never stand a chance, right? So start with your story is all about articulating why your business exists, what it is that you're doing to improve the lives of everyone in your sphere of influence. So that's S start with your story. And sometimes people say like, oh, is it the employee's story? Is it the uh, company story? And it's both, right? There, I, I say in the book, it's it's like the Bulls and Michael Jordan. Like you can't separate the two because every single employee is part of your brand story. Unless you are, you know, Apple or Nike or Amazon or another brand that makes people feel something just based on your logo, People are forming their opinions about your company based on their interactions with everyone on your team, not just looking at your logo. Like your brand is not just the stuff that you that, that you create and like put on your website or TV commercials anymore. Yeah. And and it's also what their friends and family are are telling you. And even social media or reviews online is the people's people don't leave. And I think you've mentioned it in the book, people don't leave it when they're just uh okay or average with your experience. Uh, I think it's, uh, I always like to say that you're either underwhelmed, overwhelmed, or just whelmed and you don't <laughs> want to be whelmed. Oh, how was your, how was your dinner with at this five-star restaurant? Eh, it was okay. I was whelmed. It was whelmed-iful. It's whelmed yeah, whelmed <laughs> That sounds like a new t-shirt I need to, I need to create whelmed right there. I like it. I'm giving half of uh, royalties to Brittany Hodak. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to get a piece of bringing CXE back. <laughs> we're going to talk get- real quick about the legalities of, uh, of this bring in CXD back. Uh, so uh, you, what's the you stand for? You is understand your customer story. And this is one of my favorite parts about the, in the book, because it really gets into not only active listening, which I think every single employee should be trained in, but also the duality of empathy and authority. And so often people lead with that authority at the expense of empathy. So I try to make a case in the book as to why empathy should always precede authority. Uh, One of my very favorite quotes, which I share in this book, and I I share all the time um, from Teddy Roosevelt was, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so really instilling that into all of your team members, regardless of of what their role is, you've really got to show up with that empathy before your authority is going to mean that much to your customers and prospects. Man, there's so much to that. And for all the people who are listening, who are focused in the customer service of the contact center, there is a big void of people that have been there for, you know, more than six months and they get their feet under them. And they're like, man, I know this. And as soon as a customer calls them or interacts with them, they tend to even shut them up and say, here's what I can do. Here's how I can solve your problems instead of actually providing that, man, that seems hard. It seems like we let you down. seems like we didn't meet your expectations. Here's what we're going to do about it. And just that small tweak uh, of that active listening and having that empathy will change the trajectory of that conversation of, and of that conversation of, of that they will have outside that, that initial interaction. It's the difference between whelmed and something better. <laughs> I like it. I but like yes, it. you're so right. And you know, one of the one of the things I talk about in the book is that empathy can come in so many forms. And it really that's why active listening is so important. I mean, 
Nick, we both have young kids. I don't know about you, but anytime I'm talking to somebody at a call center, there's a really high likelihood that there's like a kid screaming in the background. And so even something simple as saying like, oh, how old are your kids? Or, you know, asking, asking things that connect the human to the human on the other end of the phone, not just the customer to the contact center rep. Yeah. I even do it to the customer service rep uh, during the holidays. I, I had to call them about something because something wasn't right. They sent me the wrong size of my, of a vest. And so I called them and I just said, Hey, how are you doing? You know, I know that you guys are typically busy right now and you're probably overworked. Just want to, just want to check in. I, I don't know you from anybody, but how are you doing? And, and they were honest, like, they were like, you know, what? I'm really struggling right now. And I appreciate you asking. And I said, you know, my job is never, obviously I'm not happy with what's going on, but uh, I'm never going to take it on in you. And here's what I'm going to do, or here's, here's what I need from you. And they helped me immediately. And maybe if I'd have came back and I was combative with them and didn't actually uh, ask them questions and treat them like a human being, they are going to truly change that trajectory from their side too. Oh yeah. And that, that impacts not just their job satisfaction during that call, but for the rest of the day and, and, and maybe even longer. One of the principles that I talk about in the book is that I, I'm, I firmly believe that there's only three types of interactions that you ever have as a human. You are going to leave every single interaction, whether it's a one-to-one, a one-to-many, um, whether it was like, talking to your kids this morning or listening to this podcast right now or sitting in traffic, whatever it is, you're going to exit that experience feeling better, worse, or exactly the same. And way, way, way too many interactions are exactly the same. They're those whelmed nothing burgers that people just forget about seconds later. And to your point before, like they're not telling their friends or family if it was forgettable, if it was average. So to the extent that you can take those would be net neutral interactions and elevate them into a net positive by doing something as simple as saying, Hey, how are you doing? By doing something as simple as, you know, bumping up the, the shipping speed for somebody or, you know, asking them about their kids and their email, you can really make an impact. And you are quite literally like on a cell, I was going to say on a cellular level, I'm not really a science person. So that like, take that as a, I was going to say, take that as a metaphor. If it's not like, physically correct. Um, but I believe you are quite literally making the world around you a better place because you're putting out the energy that takes that interaction and makes it better. You're improving the life of the person on the other end of that interaction who then is going to like feel those ripple effects on and on and on. So That's I don't science, know. Exactly right. That's like really sciencey. What's that? Yeah. I got ripped up in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I went, so I went I to high exactly school in Oklahoma. So yeah, but you said that it's important to have a common purpose or passion with your customers. Why is that? Because if you don't, why would they why would they feel any level of dedication to you? Like why are they going to keep coming back? Right? You're a commodity if you don't have that shared passion and purpose. If you haven't connected your story to theirs, they're choosing you out of convenience, not out of conviction. And as soon as somebody else comes along who's faster, cheaper, closer to their house, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to go with that person who's faster, cheaper, closer, whatever. You've got to catapult yourself from this category of like potential commodity provider. We do a thing that you might be interested in to category of one. 
We are the only people that you would ever want to go to for this thing because we get you and you get us. We're in this together. We exist to make things better for you and we're better because you're our customer. And when you can create that, when you can have that like two-way street, that energy that's changing in both directions, like you're set. Your employees are going to be happier. They're going to stay longer. Your customers uh, are going to be so excited to work with you. Your cost of acquisition is going to go way down. Your marketing costs are going to go way down. Customer retention is not even going to be something that you think about because customer retention happens automatically and begins even before somebody works with you for the first time because your reputation precedes you. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. So good. So good. So uh, before I ask you another 100 questions, what does the P stand for? P stands for personalize. And I like to say that super fans are created at the intersection of your story and every customer's story. And that's why the first two pillars of my super framework are about getting clear on your story and theirs, what you offer and what they need. And then the third step, P, is where all of that comes together. So personalization is not just a nice to have anymore. We're living in a world where people expect customization and get quite upset when they don't um, when they don't get it or when things that should be personalized aren't like I, this is not in the book, but this happened to me. And I was thinking about like what a personalization fail it was because obviously technology has changed the game. And I give some offline examples and some online examples in the book. But, um, a couple of months ago, my little guy had to get tubes in his ears and had his adenoids removed, which, you know, is like a pretty, simple, quick procedure. It's like an hour. And, um, we had it done at like a a children's center outpatient place. Um, but all of the forms were digital and I was like, Oh, great. I'm not going to have to like fill everything out at the, at the doctor's office. Um, and so as I was going through the forms, it was asking me about Jones, my two-year-old and, one of the questions was like, well, how many drinks does he drink a week? And I was like, oh, this is a fail. Somebody didn't look at the fact that this is like a pediatric, you know, medical facility and take out this question. And so I was kind of like, oh, that's, you know, then the next question asks about his recreational drug use. And at this point, I'm just like, (laughs) okay, well, clearly like somebody forgot to do this. And then the next set of questions is asking about his sexual partners. And I'm like, all right, now I'm just like pissed off. Like now I just want to say something. So anyway, technology has, has upped the expectations for people in a lot of ways. Um, We are no longer willing to accept a dear customer email or a piece of direct mail that's to residents. 
right? We, we expect personalization. We expect customization. So in the book I talk about, uh, I talk about this principle from an author named Dr. Tony Alessandra, uh, the platinum rule, don't treat others the way you want to be treated, treat them the way they want to be treated. And so that's part of this magic of creating super fans is figuring out what it is that your customers want as individuals and then delivering that at scale in a way that it still feels very personal. So I love that. And one of the examples you have in the book, and I do have the book and I do have the page number, page 139, you talk about these uh, make it unique. And it's about even though the gift should be about the recipient, it's okay to connect your story to theirs in a meaningful way. Uh, so he, you met a mortgage loan officer who said he loves his job because he was one of the most important pieces of the puzzle for his borrowers. So what he did was he went to this local store, took a picture of the house that they were going to buy. And at the closing, at the signing, gave them a puzzle of their house. And he says, it was a note thanking the client, letting me be, thanks for letting me be one of the uh, pieces of your home ownership puzzle. Like that is awesome. Like it, it didn't take a whole lot of time. I think, what was it like 10 bucks or something for the puzzle itself, but he differentiated and he showed that he cared. He differentiated, he showed that he cared, and that's a gift that he can do a thousand times a year. And it still, it still feels very personal and customized to every single recipient because it's their home. Yeah, it's so cool. All right. So what's, what is E? E is exceed expectations. And one of the stories in the book, I know you said you're almost done with it. Did you get to the Legoland story yet? don't know if I did. I, there was on the page 139, it did have something about a Lego, but I don't think that was it. Okay. Well, so one of my favorite examples that I share in the book is a story from a few months ago when my family and I went to Legoland for the first time. Um, have you, have you been to Legoland with your kids yet? I'm not. Okay. You have to go. They will absolutely love it. Maybe wait a couple of years to where the, the yeah. little ones will have even more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a hotel at Legoland. And it's, you know, exactly like you would expect it to be like, you just, you feel like you're, you know, a minifigure in this like amazing Lego paradise. So we were seeing it. I think we were there for like three days at the Legoland hotel. And, um, there was this elevator to, you know, get from the lobby up to the fifth floor where we were staying. And it was one of my kids' favorite parts because when you got into that elevator, it was like a disco dance party. There were lights, there was music playing. It was like ABBA and the Bee Gees. There was a disco ball spinning around and the walls were totally like, uh, like muraled out. I don't know what you call it, but there were like, like mural, uh, sticker, vinyl stickers on the wall of like dancing Lego people. It was so fun. Every time we got in the elevator and pressed the button, my kids were like dancing. They looked forward to it. That elevator ride was one of their favorite parts of the Legoland hotel. Now we were there for three days. It was not until the third day or maybe it was four days. Maybe it was three nights, four days, whatever it was. I had been in that elevator a lot before I realized that that was the slowest elevator ride I'd ever been on in my life. Like it was legit. Like half of the song dancing queen between the first floor and the fifth floor without stops. But I never even realized it because it was so fun. So one of the things I talk about in this book is right now in your business, there might be slow elevators. Like there might be things that are 
frustrating or annoying to your customers. And while it would be easy to say like, oh, that's beyond our control. I can't make the elevator go faster. I can't replace the elevator. Maybe not. But with a little bit of creativity and with a little bit of customer centricity, you can turn that elevator into a disco dance party. You can take that net negative experience and turn it into a net neutral and maybe even a net positive by thinking about how you can improve that experience for your customers, how you can exceed their expectations. So taking a look at your customers' journeys right now, whether that's like one point in particular or a lot of points, what are those slow elevators? Like, what can you do with some creativity to reimagine these, you know, pain points with maybe not the standard tools that you would be thinking of? Maybe not the like, let's get an elevator guy to come in here and put like, I don't know, like nitrogen turbo boosters or something under under the bottom to speed it up. I think that's how elevators work, right? Again, it's definitely we've science. I'm yeah. definitely a science person. <laughs> We, we definitely need to start a science podcast uh, to <laughs> us talking about amazing boosters for the elevator. Yeah. I, you know, I think one thing I, I really enjoy about you is that you are a master storyteller and uh, that you also have really good stories to tell, not just that you tell them really well, because I think that you could tell the, the Snoopy on the shelf and find a way to tell a really awesome story about it. But um, when it comes to organizations, I think that they tend to fall down when it comes to telling their story. So how can organizations, how important is storytelling and how can organizations maybe amp up their game a little bit? Well, thank you for all of the kind words. I think storytelling is the most important skill for executives to have, because without a story, like, what are you? Like, why do you exist without a story that your employees can rally behind to take that paycheck and elevate it into a purpose? How are you any different from your competitors? You're just another place to eat or another place to get a mortgage or another place to get your car washed. So storytelling is critically important. Um, Clearly, as humans, we are hardwired to react to stories. Uh, it's what we've used for millennia uh, to pass down important information and to, to really change the world. I mean, if you think about all of the changes that have happened throughout human history, so many of them are rooted in a great story that people can rally behind, that they can believe in, that they can say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. And if you can harness that, if you can use that for good, not for evil, always for good in your organization, you will create those super fan advocates. You will create those people who say, yeah, I want to be a part of of this. Like, I want to stay at this hotel. I want to eat at this restaurant. I want to pay a little bit more to go to this dry cleaner because because I understand, you know, what's so special about the owner of the store and what they mean to the community. I love that. So for the naysayers out there that say, oh, man, I I got a story. It just doesn't resonate. And the, the, the marketplace is super noisy out there. How can companies be the signal or potentially the lighthouse among the waves? I mean, that's the story. The way you be the signal and not the noise is by having the story because otherwise you you are just the waves. You're not the lighthouse. So I would say to anyone who thinks that their story is not extraordinary, uh, well, first of all, I would recommend that you buy this book because I argue <laughs> in this book, hopefully compellingly, that everyone has an important story to tell. We are all connected. Everyone on this planet is connected. We all have certain 
you know, fears and hopes and desires that connect us as people. And if you can draw on that, if you can really highlight what makes you special, then you're going to find success. And everyone has a story, uh, not to get, you know, overly scientific again. Um, but I, I, you know, I believe that everyone was put here uh, on this crazy earth or simulation, whichever it is of ours, uh, with a purpose, with a uniqueness that they can use to make the world a better place. And whether you believe that comes from, you know, God or, or, or something else, like you as an individual are the only one of you. And the quicker you can align yourself with that purpose and really live into that story, the more you're going to be able to change the world. And if you are an executive, then it's that much more powerful because you can amplify your gifts and your talents to train your team to all coalesce around this common goal. And whether that's a brand new brand that you're launching or a brand that's been around for hundreds of years, that purpose, that story, that uniqueness is what's going to make people care more about your brand than all of your competitors' brands. Wholehearted agree right there. So I swear we're going to finish up this super acronym. So what is (laughs) VR? Well, for anybody who was like, oh, five things to remember, that's so many things. Um, it is, I was going to say 20% easier. I hope that's the, I hope that's the math. It's, it's scientific. Percent, it's science. It's yeah. Science, math. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said I'm good at storytelling because I'm clearly not good at some of the, some of the other well, they, things. You know, it's, it's rough um, when I can't even check your math. So <laughs> I know I was like, it's, it's 20, you would say 20%, not 25%. It's five, four. Anyway, it is. It is some amount easier to remember because it is five letters, but the fifth one, the R stands for repeat. And that's because customer experience is not a set it and forget it. It's not something that you do one time. It's not like a great drip sequence that you write or great scripts that you write for people who are in your call center. It's a day in, day out dedication to creating those amazing customer experiences. And one more quote that I want to share. I put this one in the book too. Uh, It's from Elizabeth Arden. She said, repetition makes reputation and reputation makes customers. And I think especially for people in customer service, that is so, so important to remember. Repetition makes reputation and reputation makes customers. And that is why the fifth and final pillar of the supermodel is repeat. That is amazing. Amazing. We finally finished the super acronym And now you guys can go and all be supermodels because this is a model to design your experience, differentiate and create a legion of loyal followers. I highly recommend this book, Creating Super Fans, How to Turn Your Customers into Lifelong Advocates. I also have two questions I ask every single guest at the very end. And the first question is, what book or person has influenced you the most in the last year? So that's question number one. I would say... The person who has influenced me the most in the past year is my now good friend, Joey Coleman. He is such an amazing speaker and writer and just wonderful, wonderful human. Um, 
He also has a great podcast. Uh, he wrote a book called Never Lose the Customer Again that's become a bestseller. It's sold, I think, over 100,000 copies at this point. And he's just turned in his manuscript for his next book, which comes out, I think it's in like April or May uh, of this year, but it's called Never Lose an Employee Again. And mm-hmm. Joey is just such a wonderful person and a great friend. He was so helpful to me and so instrumental in the launching of this book, uh, but also in the way that I think about customer experience, employee experience, and how they both come together to be, you know, one plus one equals five. And that is math I am certain about uh, that when your CX and your EX are in alignment, it is, uh, it is, it is more than one plus one equals two. He is absolutely awesome. Uh, I've had him on the podcast and sounds like I need to have him on again here in April. But uh, the last one I have for you is if you could leave a note to every single customer service and or customer experience professional, it's going to hit everybody else's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? So I think I'm going to have to quote my oldest son here, who is now five, but was about three. So going back to like those COVID days when I was trying to write this book. Um, and I, you know, kept very nicely saying like, buddy, like mommy's got to write this book. Mommy's got to work on this book, like sending him back upstairs out of my office to dad. And one day, a couple weeks before his third birthday, he said, what's your book about mom? And I paused and I tried to explain the concept of creating super fans in a way that, you know, a preschooler would understand fully expecting him to be like, that is dumb. You should write about, you know, dinosaurs or Batman or something. And instead he was quiet for a second. And I said, what do you think, buddy? And he said, I think you should tell all the people to be nice and listen. And then he kissed me and he ran out of the room. And I was like, exactly. Total mic drop moment. I was like, did my three-year-old just write my book in four words better than I'm going to do in like 60,000 words. Like that is (laughs) so nail on the head, be nice and listen. So that is advice straight from Kato Hodak, who will be available for speaking gigs soon. And I think that is what I would say to everyone, not just in customer service, because everyone at your company is in the experience department, regardless of what their LinkedIn title says, regardless of what their paycheck says, everyone is in the experience department. And if you just be nice and listen, you will create super fans. So amazing. I know that uh, Shep Hyken may have written your foreword, but your son just wrote the summary of your book. It was amazing. Uh, so Brittany, where can my listeners find you, connect with you, say, hey, come over here and speak. You're awesome. Or I have a science equation that I need you to <laughs> solve. Um, if you have a science equation, you can find me at um, any AOL address. And <laughs> if you have anything else, you can find me at BrittanyHodak.com. Very my, cool. Brittany. My email is Brittany at BrittanyHodak.com, but please don't ask me about science unless it's like <laughs> making a volcano to, to, to blow up or right now we're, we're working on the crystals, like grow your own crystals on a set my kids got for Christmas. So if it's like, if it's like science geared towards grade schoolers, I'm your girl. If it's anything more complicated than how do we drop this egg off the top of the bleachers without breaking it, then I, I feel like that is where my science career peaked was with the mm dropping the egg and not breaking it in fifth grade or sixth grade, whenever that was, it was all down from there. <laughs> I'm going to challenge all my listeners that the subject has to be about science, but the rest of it cannot. <laughs> Deal. I will, I will absolutely take that. Or you can just tell me that you're trying to bring CXE back in the subject line. <laughs> and then I'll know immediately you're a VIP who will get priority treatment. No big deal. Brittany, thanks so much. I, <laughs> I can't, 
looking forward to this being a bestseller as well and uh, wishing you nothing but success. Thanks, Nick. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.